everybody. I'm Vicki. I'm Bree. And I'm Lynn. And we are. We are. Tatiana. And we're not going to sing. <laughs> You're <much>. welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. We're back for, is this episode 49? This is episode 49. Sweet. And I also wanted to say we've got Chelsea with us today. We've been missing her for several episodes um, just because of timing and then oh. this little pandemic. <laughs> so we're so happy to I'm so happy to have her face on our screen today. The gang is back together. The gang's all here. Love it. Yeah. Well, the gang's all there everywhere. <laughs> our gang has gotten really big, hasn't it? We have lots of social distance. <laughs> Yes, we do. Um, I have first thought wrong today, ladies. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so since all of this has started, I have been very fortunate to be able to still be working. And when we first started, I work for a township, so it's a state government agency. And when this first happened, they had no idea how long it was going to last. And they said we would still get paid. They would average for me, I'm hourly part-time, so they would take my average amount of hours that worked the last six months, and that's what I would get paid for weekly. And I'm like, great. <clears throat> um, our schedules were limited because they didn't want us all in the building at the same time. I had a bunch of stuff to do in the beginning, like deep cleaning and inventory and a bunch of stuff like that. So I kept myself busy for the first week or so with that. And then we started, when we learned that this was going to go on longer, we started doing some long-term planning for how this would look like for us. And we came up with a great idea because I'm in charge of the lunch program. I was doing a curbside pickup for our members, our senior citizens. And I would make the lunch and I would have it cold. And then they would pull up in their cars. We'd have one employee give them the food, another employee take the money <clears throat> so there wouldn't be cross-contamination. And it's really taken off and it's very exciting. Uh, last week, we were averaging 20-something every day. And this week, we're up to 50, which is my limit that I can do. So I'm really excited about this program. But um, middle of last week, so before that, let me back up. Like two weeks ago, we were having a staff meeting and um, director was talking about, you know, we want to stagger our staff so we're not here at the same time. So basically everybody was working three days a week, except for me who had to work four days a week because of this curbside pickup. And actually I'm working five days a week because I have to go in the day before to prep for the next day. So I'm working Sundays as well. So I'm working Sunday through Thursday. So I walked away from the meeting going, wait a minute. <laughs> There's something's not right with this picture. You know, the full-time people are working three days a week, four hour a day average, and I'm working five days, which is more than I worked before. I'm like, huh, well, this doesn't seem right. So start rolling, you know, uh, drum roll for the resentments because there it started. And I would let it go and then something would trigger it and I'd go back to it. And it was this back and forth, back and forth. I was like on the seesaw going up and down. I think it's the best way I can visualize it. And I'd feel really good about the things I was doing. And then I would get pissed off about something. I'm like, you know, and kind of stewing that for a little bit. So it was very much a seesaw for about a week. And then the end of last week, my director comes in. And she's like, hey, just got a, a got off a call with the board and the town manager. And um, they've decided, since this is going to be long-term, that we're only going to get paid for the hours that we work. I went, oh, well, I'm working that anyway. And she said, okay. And I'm like, okay. And she walked away. And I'm like, huh, I guess this did work out in my favor after all. So there's there's a first thought wrong that drug on for a long time. And of course, God took care of it for me. Um, I was able to be grateful again, be back in gratitude, and then I could be in acceptance and everything worked out just fine. 
Yay! There yeah. you go. You get paid for what you do. That's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, there was a lot of guilt for me anyways. Like, I'd show up for a couple hours and do some stuff on the computer just because I had time. And I was already feeling weird because I've just never been in that position because I've never had an office job. So I don't know what it's like to spread out my work, you know, over X amount of hours if I don't have a lot to do for a day. So it was a little weird. A little weird. A little weird. Well, I'm glad you're getting to work. Yeah, me too. And again, very much in the gratitude about being able to do that. I, I never took that part for granted, that part. It's like I was very happy. But then because I had that, then I started looking at the minutia. And what can I, what can I see some inequity and injustice in? And that's when I would start to get in resentment. Injustice. <laughs> so, yeah. So uh, we have been talking in this past week a little bit about topics and we, the, the three of us have such a great dynamic. We're like, why don't we just kind of do a riff and chat, right guys? And right. Uh, during that time, I um, started reading Glennon Doyle's new book, Untamed. And then I've been trying to find time to listen to Brene Brown's new podcast because she's one of my heroes. Actually, they both are two of my heroes. And Brene interviewed Glennon. So I listened to the podcast when I was at work last week and I actually had stopped listening to it because I started crying. Not because I was sad, but because it just hit some part of my soul that touched me so much. I had to, I had to walk away and process it. And it's been really powerful for me. Um, so I listened to it again a couple of times and I took some notes and I talked to you guys about um, driving the bus today and I thought there would be some good conversation starters. So with no further ado, I can get started on this. Um, she talks about a lot of things. Brene Brown is about courage and shame. That's been her platform that she's done her research on from the beginning of her career. And then Glennon's book, Untamed, is about bucking the so social and cultural norms that especially particularly women, but not exclusively uh, what we get tied into and, and how we end up living a life as she calls it tamed and how do we become untamed again? And I think about this all the time is that when we talk about changing, I read this a lot. You're not really changing. You're getting rid of all the stuff that society and culture has put on you. And when you find your true self again, that's when you become you. So that's what I think of when she talks about untaming. I think about me uh, just get rid of, get, getting rid of all the stuff that I've acquired over the years, sometimes as protection, sometimes out of fear. What do you guys think? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that um, it kind of reminds me of the agreements mm -hmm. a little bit. You know, these agreements we have, like we're a girl and we're supposed to get married after we graduate college and then have kids or whatever those agreements are, or I'm a girl, I'm not supposed to get angry, you know, not supposed to be like tough or whatever, masculine. And um, those are a lot of the ones that I grew up with. I don't know that those are still so prevalent, but for me, I don't, I don't know. I think I've been going through this unloading of those types of agreements of late. So I don't, um, I don't see them as problematic personally, but I see them as problematic when I watch people and I just mm -hmm. want to be like, no, you don't have to do, there's no wrong, one way. And you know, so yeah, I like it. Yeah. yeah it's really cool. Um, the, and when you were talking about what our parents do and what we learned from our parents, Glennon talks about that a lot. 
and she says um, a lot of times what have ha- what has happened is that our parents were trained you know by society and culture and so as small children we are still ourselves we're our true selves and sometimes we're too much we're too we're too sensitive or we're too opinionated or we're too loud and that makes our parents uncomfortable and so they start this training at a very early age of that's not how ladies act or that's not how little boys act. And, and they basically tamp it down. And so we take that shield on of shame because we feel like we're not right, you know, and if you're not right, then you're not going to fit in. You're not going to be accepted. And that really struck home with me a lot. Well, for me personally, I kind of experienced the opposite of this happening when I started dating Dave, cause he, you know, I had years of being kind of like a free spirit and doing whatever I wanted and hippy dippy, whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, in sobriety, I got to really kind of like dig into who I was and be who I wanted to be and had a great, awesome group of gals, you gals around me to support that. And then it was like coming into a relationship with somebody who he grew up with all of these rules, you know, that, you know, successful people do this, you know, people accept you more when you look or act like this or talk like, and I've had to challenge him. And that's been like a big part of our relationship is me challenging and say, but why does it have to be that way? Why do you need, why do you care what that person thinks? Why? Well, I don't care what that person thinks. So I'm okay with doing it this way is, you know, can, can we move forward with it not being the way you expect it to be? Um, and it's, it's like, it's a, I mean, and I'm sure Glennon and Brene or whoever would agree that it's not always an easy process. And it's, it's not just for women, I would say. It's men come into the, into the world with the same, you have to be X, Y, Z, or you're not manly enough. Or people will think, you know, if you act too flamboyant, or if you're into fashion, or if you want to look good, then you come across as, you know, gay, you know, I mean, they have a lot of like things that they have to live up to too. Men don't cry. Um, so I think no matter which side you're on, no, doesn't matter your gender or what you identify with, there's always going to be these, not always, I should say, say, say right now in our time, mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing to see a lot of the stuff getting challenged and broken, broken down, but it's, it's slow and it's hard and it's like painful. Um, so that's just from my experiences you know, okay, well, why do you think that way? And can, you know, are you open to thinking about it a different way? You know, I don't, I don't care. Why do you care so much? That kind of thing. Well, it's so interesting because when you were saying that, I was thinking about how easy it is in certain circles to be that person. But then when you get around somebody that you know has those norms like ingrained or they were the ones that ingrained them into you, how you can how difficult sometimes it is to what we say, speak our own truth or be our true self. And I think one thing about recovery that I was able to learn and continue to learn from, from people is that um, it doesn't really matter. Like it's not my business. I need to come to the, I need to live these principles in all my affairs in terms of being honest and being true. And, and when I don't, I feel weird. I feel funny. And I have so much practice in that in the program. But then when I'm in the real world, I can remember at work when I didn't want to lie at work. It was almost 
a hindrance because part of the game sometimes that political game that we have in um, getting ahead or being successful is sometimes lying or sometimes withholding who you are or covering yourself up and making yourself look a different way. And I think um, it's kind of like the toddler thing I always talk about when we change our character defects and how we um, don't know how to do it. And we do it really obnoxiously at first. <laughs> and then we figure out how to do it a little more gracefully as we practice it more. But I think that sometimes, I mean, that's what happened to me. It, it came to a point where this isn't, I'm, I'm doing really great. I'm, I'm in a good position. I'm making a lot of money, but it's not aligning with who I am because I've been changing so much that I had to be brave and untame what they wanted me to be. And I'm not their person. And, you know, and, and finding mm -hmm. that out was hard. It was a lot of years of like trying to change myself and be someone I'm not. And, and I can only imagine how difficult that is for people that don't have these tools of it's none of my business what anyone else thinks of me. Don't take anything personally. Like all these things that we learn, I can't imagine how hard it is to break that when you don't have that support and that reminder when you go spend time with people that are like-minded. Yeah, there's a there's a whole lot you had in there, Vicki, that I was nodding my head vigorously and thinking about. And um, one of the big ones for me is, I think about growing up in the South because we're taught from from in utero, even before we're born, is that you're always polite and nice and you tell people what they want to hear, no matter what you think of them. And then the the ugly side to that is, and then when you're back with your people, you can say all the things that you were thinking. And, and that's when gossip comes into it and, you know, the character assassinations and all that kind of thing. And so for me and learning those things, and and I'm still trying to figure out when am I just being true to myself and not worrying about what other people think? And when am I still playing into that? Because it's real, it's real muddy water for me, very muddy water. And, um, I, <laughs> and I'm always been pretty direct. So I was not where anywhere near the end of that spectrum of what I grew up with. I, I came across, it's always been a little too much for people. And I still struggle with that. And I still have it just because that's all I saw. And that's what I learned, you know, from the very beginning. So it's real interesting now to be better about recognizing what I need to take care of and letting the rest of it go. And it's funny when you were saying, um, how you've how it's becoming so naturally now to not think take things personally some instances are easier than others of course but i am and this comes into judging other people but when somebody's getting really upset about something i'm like oh that's what it looks like when you're taking things personally <laughs> that's what i used to look like and i see it now it's like my it's my neon sign i'm like this is what it looks like when someone's taking something personally and not being able to detach and and look at it objectively well, don't get ugly. That's what Grammy Pat always says. Don't get ugly because yep. it's ugly, you know, it's inevitably <laughs> ugly when you gossip. It's ugly when you, when you have a temper tantrum and you're 46 years old, it's ugly. <laughs> like I want it my way, you know, I mean, it's just so insidious. And, and, and sometimes I think for me growing up and I kind of talked about this in my talk, it was the only way I could get attention. Right. So sometimes that's what it is. It's like your way of getting attention. It's either playing the victim or, you know, helping too much or being being in these social norms. But being like I just when you were talking, 
both of you, I was thinking about humility, like we're not too much and we're not too little. We're not too much and we're not too little. We're just who we are. And when we stay in that zone, it's a little easier to manage. But when we have all these things going in the background of these like agreements, social norms, how we're supposed to be, it's so hard. It's hard. 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 So you referred to them as tools. And one of the tools is that we've been taught what other people think of me is none of my business. The tool of just having an understanding and awareness of the agreements. Okay. Like being able to identify that my belief is an agreement and then being able to challenge that, put our thoughts on trial as Chelsea always likes to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And then just having awareness as a tool for some of these things that people just like don't have these tools sometimes. Like you don't know what you don't know until you know it. So I'm like, I think this is really cool. This, the untamed, and I know Brene Brown is huge into the courage and shame thing, but um, I'm like very interested to listen to the podcast after this. I'm not kidding. And I felt like I was, well, I was a student taking notes and I would pause it and write things down. And it was just, it was so much. And I, and I get so excited when I'm, um, and I'm turned on by that kind of stuff. And it's like, my brain is like going a million miles an hour. And it was very cool. And I want to back up real quick because it reminded me, you know, Chelsea was the first one that told us to put our thoughts on trial. And I've stuck with that. Glennon quotes Walt Whitman. And Walt Whitman's quote was, re-examine everything you've been taught and dismiss whatever insults your soul. Mm, I like that one. That was like, mind blown. Yeah. Dismiss whatever insults your soul. Mm. Yeah, I get goosebumps. The funny thing about that is, (laughs) the funny thing about that is, if I integrate something into my life, which resonates with my soul, it could still offend someone else's soul. And I know we're not supposed to take that on, but I think of like, this is one of my longtime fantasies in my mind. I've always wanted dreads like forever. Like since I was a little kid and I saw some chick on TV who had dreads and she looked beautiful to me. And I was like, Oh my gosh, it looks so cool. If I show up to dreads at work, like, even though it resonates with my soul, I don't know if other souls can appreciate what my soul needs. That's why this is so hard. It is okay. so hard. And that's just like a little example. That's something like superficial and, you know, concerned with my appearance. Um, so How as would much Dave as I, feel? What? <laughs> what would Dave do? Are you, are you kidding? You already know. <laughs> we know. Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and, and later date Brie, I can talk to you about the maintenance of dreads because I dated a dude that had them and it's not pretty. Well, and that's the other thing too, right? Other people, they're smelly. You're a hippie. Then if you have them, you don't bathe. If you have, like, there's all of these stigmas, I guess, attached yeah. to people who have dreads. So but the norm. I don't think smelling is a stigma. Like I think smelling is a legit thing. <laughs> <laughs> And it ruins your pillows, I'm just saying, because your hair, it takes forever for it to dry out. Um, But can I rewind to that, Brie, and and give you an insight into our culture and how we do change? So 1994, I was in a wedding, best friend that I grew up with, and I was the only person in my group that had a tattoo, and it's on my back, on my shoulder. She specifically found bridesmaids' dresses that would not show my tattoo, so it wouldn't offend people at her wedding. Uh, re- forward to 2002 
and I worked for Kroger in the corporate office and I had a nose ring and it was really small and no, no one noticed it. And then when someone in the office noticed it, it became like this huge deal of whether I could still wear it or not. And now all those things are so people don't even bat an eye. So if you do you and you stay true to yourself, people will catch up. Yeah. If they don't, they're not your people. Right. Exactly. That's what I was thinking. And that goes back to what other people think of me is none of my business. And if they're going to have a problem with it, they're not my people. Yeah. And, you know, in a small scope of it with the nose ring, I was kind of, I was bucking the system with corporate world, very conservative Southern corporate world of good old boys by having a nose ring. And I was willing to put that on the line. And a part of me, I'm sure was pushing the envelope just to see the reaction because that's what I did. And that's still what I do. But also (laughs) it's not like I was putting my job on the line, but I was certainly testing. I was testing a lot of things. So I did similar situation. (laughs) My first job I had gotten a nose ring and they made me take it off in 2008 I think and then it was 2018 or 19 when no 2018 when I got my nose ring and I knew I was going to quit my job so I didn't really care what they would say and I never got any flack for it but man oh man I I, it's funny you're right yep the but the bridesmaid's dress and the tattoo that still blows my mind isn't that funny Oh yeah, oh, she went. She went to any lengths to get you <laughs> to cover that up. Your tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> Could you read that Walt Whitman qu- quote one more time, please? Absolutely. Re-examine everything you've been taught and dismiss whatever insults your soul. And I can go ahead if you like. While you guys are writing, I'll go ahead and move on to something else that was really cool. Glennon said that she's gotten really good at being a lie detector of cultural messages. And I think that's important. What you're saying, uh, Vicki, about um, take what you need that's important to you and ignore all the rest, being a lie detector of cultural messages. And that's a cultural message pertaining to you. You're not responsible for the rest of your society. You're only responsible for what resonates with you and what doesn't. And then she also said, poison roots of what society tells us to do. They're these poison roots. And if we pull out those roots, of what doesn't speak to us about what society is telling us to do, then we can be responsible for our own joy and freedom. If you get rid of those poison roots. Well, and I think that, um, I think that that's why it's so important to surround your people, surround your people, surround yourself with people that are, that are with you. Right. And, and not only that, but to be accepting of others. Right. The one of the big things that they say in AA is live and let live. They don't really say it as much. But when my dad was in it, that was a big thing. And um, live and let live, you know, live and let live. It's not your life. You don't you don't have to close the door when they're home with their person or by themselves or whatever. It's their life. And I think that it's easier said than done. And I think as a parent, it's kind of funny because I'm sure that I'm guilty of being, oh, you have to do it this way. And you're a junior, you know, all this kind (laughs) of stuff. And, and you don't even realize you're doing it when you're doing it. That's how ingrained these poisoned roots are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, like my, 
junior league ideals about how women are supposed to be. And I told you that joke about the Southern women that sit around and, and brag about, you know, the nice things they have. And the one lady at the end said she was sent to finishing school. And they said, why finishing school? She said, so I'd learn how to say that's nice instead of fuck you. <laughs> that's the South. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> on, the, on the other side of that, though, I'm like having compassion for people who don't know any better I guess and who are still living that way mm-hmm. and like not being offended by the fact that they're not catching up with the times or shedding all of their you know what we would consider wrong beliefs or miss you know um limiting beliefs or whatever yeah. and just you know if someone is kind of conservative and has these and I mean, as long as, yeah, I just, I just think about that too. Cause sometimes you meet those people and you're like, well, they're still there and that's okay. That's okay that they're still there and they're living. That's their truth. And got to respect that too. Well, it not me- everyone wants to free the nipple. Okay. <laughs> well, it reminds me of what Lynn was saying. <laughs> Going to the extreme to buck the system, right? Like there's, there's there's extremes on both sides, right? Um, sometimes people just fight to fight, right? Yeah. Sometimes people just fight to fight and they're just as bad as the ones that they're fighting with. So it's like, it's, it's, that's why, that's why we have, uh, well, that's why it might be more effective if we just, if it's an inside job. I mean, I haven't read her book and I imagine it's like that. I mean, we do have to speak up for people that can't speak up for themselves at times, but I think it, it, it has to be, it, or it, it would benefit us if we're, if we honor what's in our soul and we really, really like, don't go to the extreme just to go to the extreme because, because sometimes I find myself doing that when I don't like, 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 okay, so we'll talk about the restaurant that doesn't serve people that are, um, are of a certain um, sexual orientation, right? And my extreme with that is just, you know, like I want to ban them just the same instead of just living in, if that's what they want, that's what they want because I think it's wrong, you know? So it's that juggling of where is my voice important and unnecessary? Now my actions can be, I just don't go there and I don't need to talk about it, I guess. So I don't know what I'm saying, but like, it just makes me think of making sure I'm not going to the extreme just to prove a point too. Right. And part of that is picking your battles, Vicki. Mm-hmm. And you know that you're not going to change the whole world, but you can feel good about yourself by not giving them your money. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something else. Oh, Nope, I lost it. Go on. <laughs> nope. Hey guys, can I jump in really quick? Um, I heard some really cool themes in this. Uh, one of them is just re, you know, challenging your beliefs, and just because I've always had this, or this is something that's been passed down to me, um, kind of going to the the basis of that belief, and and saying, does this still make sense? Uh, I remember this story. Um, that somebody had told about this pan and they always had this certain size pan that they were putting in the oven and kind of going back and trying to figure out why are we cooking this this way and realizing like three generations back, 
somebody had a certain size oven and they 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 use this certain size pan and, and not questioning that and just doing it. So that's the one theme of just kind of doing an inventory of of the beliefs and is this something passed down to me? And then there's that other piece, Lynn, that you were saying of just not giving not giving up pieces of yourself that are important just because the rest of society's not on board with you and carrying that forward. So it's kind of you know doing that inventory of of of, of how you got here and what things you want to take with you and what things you want to let go. So I thought that was really, really insightful. Really cool. Thanks guys. That's my two cents. <laughs> Thank you, Chelsea. Um, I remember that other part of what I was going to add to Vicki, what you were saying. Um, and my sister reminds me of this all the time when I see those people that are kind of, you know, and Bree said this when, when they're doing their thing, cause they just don't know any better. And I, I always want to give them advice. I want to help. And my sister is always reminding me, they don't necessarily want your advice. They don't necessarily want your help. So unless your opinion is solicited, just keep it to yourself. And, you know, mine comes from, I feel like now it comes from a good place of wanting to help, but it doesn't matter because if it's not solicited, then it's unwanted. And I, and I have to really keep myself in check with that. And remember... Oh, sorry. I was going to say attraction sometimes rather than promotion, like just you being you and you exuding like a freedom and a confidence and like Mm -hmm. an ability to like live your life a certain way. I mean, that is so much more attractive and maybe impactful than Oh, hey, well, did you know you don't have to do it like this, this, this? And, you know, it's it's 2020. So if you want to come out from under the rock you were living in, I mean, <laughs> but seriously, sometimes we want to say that to people. And I just like, and I, I remember the things that always that I wanted to emulate, like people didn't beat it into my head. When people beat stuff into my head, I want to go the opposite direction and be like, F you, you think you know better, you can't control me. But I, when I see something that that is, I'm attracted to, well, then I want to emulate it just naturally, like without somebody, like the dreads thing. Nobody said, hey, Brie, you should get dreads. They're the coolest. No, I saw someone else rocking them and I thought she's a badass bitch. I want some dreads. Badass. She's just, <laughs> she looks cool as shit. I want those dreads. So anyways, I, you know, I totally understand like wanting to, and I get the opinion, the unsolicited opinions all the time. Trust me. So I get it, but it's like, it makes people like cringe sometimes, you know? And I think that's, that's a sign of me still new in sobriety, you know, that I, I have all this good stuff that I just want to share, 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 regardless of whether you want to take it or not. It's like, this is so awesome. You have to want this. I'm totally guilty of that too, Lynn. Totally. I mean, I, for as much as someone expects me to, you know, behave a certain way or thinks it should be X, Y, Z, I do that to them too. No, 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 no. You got to do it this way. You have to be more free. Where's your spirituality? You know, I do it too. Well, it reminds me of with Chelsea and with the, um, when we were learning about the Myers-Briggs types and how certain things are just uncomfortable to people like that free spiritedness doesn't rock with somebody's like internal way of communicating or taking in information and all that stuff. And, and you could be harming them. You know, that's why with amends, it's important that we know that if it's okay to go to them with even the amends, because we could harm them. I mean, it could hurt somebody when we think something is so just and so right and so much better, it might be better for us, 
but it might not work with their internal system of life, you know, and they'll get there when the teacher arrives, when the student is ready, the teacher arrives. I can't tell you how many things that I didn't learn for so many years, right? I mean, so many years in recovery and I thought I was working a good program and I thought I was doing, uh, and I was working a good program for me right then and there, you know, but then when I guess what, what, is important for me is when that doesn't feel right is having that courage to say, okay, what do I need to do next? Yes. And allowing it. Because if I don't allow that, that's when I'm doing the same thing. I can do the same thing in recovery. I can shit on myself. I can, I can um, try and impress you guys because mm-hmm. it sounds good. You know, I went to Akron, Ohio on my first year anniversary and we saw this um, little skit or what well, was a play. It was a play. And um, it was this guy that got sober and he was super sober man and he would go to bars and he would try and get people sober and tell them, you know, all the stuff that they're doing and how much better life could be. And, and it is Bree hit the nail on the head, attraction, not promotion. And that's what brought mm-hmm. me in to the rooms. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Well, it, you know, even at the very beginning, Bill and Bob, they were told, was it Basilki told them, he said, don't tell them what they need to do. Tell them your story. Mm-hmm. And that's going to, that's going to speak to them. And, and it's, and I need, I need to remember that. It's like, yeah. don't tell them what they need to do. If, if just talk about it. And there's a lady that I do work with who has a sister who's an active alcoholic and it's painful and it's hard. And um, when she was tell, she told me something like when we first started working and I knew that I, I had a feeling I need to tell her, I said, I'm an alcoholic and she just broke down and, and I've helped her. She started going to Al-Anon and, and we still touch base about it a lot, but it's not eating her life a, alive anymore. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a beautiful process for me to watch her be able to take back her life and not, not be ruled by her sister's addiction. And I did, and you know, it's, it, it was interesting because I did have this voice of me saying, it's okay to tell her because I think she needs this. And that, that was really a powerful thing for me, but you can't, I couldn't just go in and go, listen, I know a little bit about Al-Anon and this is what you need to do to deal with, you, you know, make your life easier. That wouldn't have worked. I, two things was thinking about Vicki, you literally said courage at the turning point, which is so hard, right? When you have the awareness and you want to do something differently and you know what that thing is to, to, to practice the opposite or a decision you need to make for yourself to improve your life. I think about it even with the steps, you know, courage at the turning point of four, you know, um, courage at the turning point of nine, um, courage at the turning point of 12. Like, can you carry this message to other people and take mm-hmm. on that fear? Like, that's a huge action step too, that I think people are like, you know, that's a game changer. People don't realize, but so like having, and I, that's probably what Brene Brown talks about all the time is that, you know, how to find that courage at the actual turning point. Um, cause I think that's what I have a really hard time with. Like I have all these things that I want to do or want to try, and then it gets to the turning point to the, to the action time and then fear kicks in mm-hmm. and all my beliefs that I've had for the last 31 years go and are spinning around. And then there's like fear analysis and inaction. So it's like courage. That's a huge piece. And I just thought that was like, I pulled that out. Um, Courage at the turning point. And then Chelsea, when you were talking about an inventory of beliefs, I want to do that this week. I'm going to do that. It is going to be a very challenging exercise, I think, because 
you're, you're just so used to the same thoughts, I guess, sometimes. So it's going to take a lot of awareness, but I think I want to try to do an inventory of beliefs. Love it. Love it. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I think, and I, tell me if I'm rushing, but I, I have one last thing that I thought that we really needed to talk about because uh, it blew my mind. Okay. Um, it, and it's towards the end of Glennon's book. Uh, Brene and Glennon are both sober. They both are in our family. And uh, Brene just had 24 years. Um, Glennon has 17. I don't know what kind of program they have now or what they do, but they're, they're, um, they're public about their uh, sober sobriety. And Glennon wrote in her book, since the day, the very day that she decided to become sober, she has not been fine again. She has been the peaks of happiness and joy to the depths of despair and fear and shame. She's never been fine again, but she does every day feel alive. She feels her feelings. And she said what she's learned is that she can walk through fires, that she is fireproof. And thinking about that, it's like, that's right. I don't, I don't have fine in my life anymore. I have all the things and I know that I can survive it. I can withstand it. Yeah, because you just quelled the quelled the life out of you. And that's what I did because I always thought I was so intense and and you know, I was so much and people couldn't handle me. And um, but it's like, who am I to play small either? Right. Like right. that Marianne Williamson quote that just always hit me that you know nobody wants you to play small, pretend that you're not what you are. Cause when you are what you are, you rock it, you walk through fires, you're alive and you give people, you give people the permission to do it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even our fears, like you were talking about Bree, it's like you have all these ideas and then fear steps in, but you know, fear is not going to slay you. You know, it's going to be uncomfortable. You know, you're not going to enjoy it but you know it's not going to cut you off at the knees. You know that. You know that in your soul because you've already done the scariest thing. You got sober. Speaking of dreads and slaying things, we're going to Michonne the shit out of our beliefs. <laughs> How perfect. <laughs> I have her on my desk. How perfect. We need to do a post of her this week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh god this needs to be a video as well i wish everybody could see us right now <laughs> well we can post it as a video michonne the shit out of our fears <laughs> well we got our, our our clickbait this week ladies <laughs> Gold nuggets. Oh God, there was so much. This was such. Lynn, so what book are you going to read this week? So we have, you know, stuff to talk about. (laughs) I'm not the bus driver next week, sister. (laughs) You know, that's such a great bus driver, though. That it's real uncomfortable for me because I have battled my whole life again with being told that I'm pushy and that I'm overbearing, and then when I say, "Hey, I have this idea," oh, but am I going to be too much if I'm if I'm leading this? I've been battling this. It's been hard. 
Well, you you continue to battle it in a safe spot. You know, you're with people who will tell you and we'll tell you when it is and we'll tell you when it's not and it's not. And it's so appreciated, honestly, this week that you, you, you came to class with homework done and we didn't even have homework. So I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you, this shit gets me turned on. (laughs) Okay. So my golden nuggets, I have two. Well, I might have three, but my, my one thing is, is that I can walk through fires and that I already have and that I've survived and that my amygdala can go fuck right off. Um, (laughs) That will also be a post. (laughs) And I love the Walt, Walt Whitman. Yeah. Re-examine everything you've been taught and dismiss whatever insults your soul. You know, I've been insulting my soul for way too many years. I've been insulting other people's souls for way too many years. It's none of my business. I just need to show up alive and be alive and and be real and be awkward and awesome. And that's all I got. Thank you. Great. Um, I had a lot too. I think courage at the turning point. There's so many things in my life that are kind of like coming to this head right now. And in my own personal recovery, doing like another fifth step and just the, like, there's so much that I, I, I don't, you know, can't even talk about it right now, but I think that is going to be my mantra this season, whatever it is, I have courage at the turning point. I am at the turning point and I have courage, like some variation of that. I want that to be my mantra. And then of course, just like doing an inventory of beliefs. I think that is a huge growth opportunity for me considering I'm doing inventories and other parts of my life in recovery specifically, you know, they don't ask you to necessarily do an inventory of your beliefs, like fears and resentments and whatnot, but just like beliefs in general. So I think that would be a cool exercise. Love it. Um, my gold nuggets came from both of you and they were good reminders that I forget about a lot of times. Attraction, not promotion. I'm going to start, that's going to be my neon sign, Brie, when I'm feeling the need to advise somebody on a way they need to live their life. You just walk the walk. You peacock the shit out of that and they will want to be a peacock too. <laughs> or not, because they can't. Or not. And then again, with you, Vicki, when you said, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. And I, I know that, I know that in my heart and in my soul and sometimes I forget. And with that example I gave about my coworker, that was an example that I had this, this like urge that I couldn't ignore. It's like, I knew I needed to share that with her. That doesn't happen very often. And when it does, I consider that divine and it's grace because it is a gift um, that I didn't expect, nor did I maybe deserve, but I get it. And I really want to get those gifts more often. So I have to be open to them. So boom, this was fun. Really quick, Lynn, I just thought of something else. There was this woman who she just actually passed away this week um, from program, but Mm -hmm. she always used to volunteer and step up and do first first step meetings. And um, she'd always tell people, you know, I don't know what I'm going to say, but in what I'm going to say, I never know how it could help somebody else. There might be something that I say that helps somebody else. And I I don't get to decide what, what that is. I don't get to decide what they remember and what they don't remember, but you never know what you're going to say. That's going to help somebody. And so Lynn, you know, when, whatever you do attraction, um, or, you know, leading by example or whatever, you know, even if you do offer some advice or your opinion, you just never know 
you know, you never know what someone's going to like sponge up or what, because if they're ready for the teacher to appear and you could be the teacher, but that's like, we don't have control over that. You know, like we got to, what we got to let go of that need to be like, okay, well, this is the time that you need to learn the lesson. And here it is. (laughs) That's right. Thank you. And I do that too. Thank you. Now let's go Michonne some shit. (laughs) Michonne the shit out of all this bull crap. That <laughs> Chelsea, it was so good to have you on today. Thank you for making time for us. I mean, it was great seeing your faces, ladies. And I, I forget how much I, you know, this really uplifts my spirit when I, when I see you and and feel always very inspired. And and Lynn, I, I, I want to kind of have a private tutorial session with you on this uh, on this book. This is this is awesome. So thank you, thank you for sharing. It's great seeing you guys. Yeah. Love everybody. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear your mask if you go outside. And stay away from people. It's not over yet. Yeah, stay away. Be well. Tribe out. Tribe out. Tribe out. Thanks for listening to another episode of Telling on Ourselves. Please rate, review, share, subscribe, download our podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you want more telling on ourselves, please find us and follow us and like us on Instagram and Facebook at Telling on Ourselves. Tribe out.